Welcome, we're back. Sorry I'm late. Better late than never. So you rem I want to remind you what we did last week because I actually gave you an assignment last week. Maybe you all forgot. But you had an assignment. Of course it was optional, but one, one of the things I wanted you to do was meditate on someone who has a quality or qualities that you want to develop qualities that you feel you're lacking in, or qualities that you may have, but you may um, feel the need to increase or develop those qualities further. And we made the point that by meditating on someone who has those qualities, particularly a sadhu who has those qualities, you begin to imbibe those qualities. So I'm going to go first, and then after I go, I'm going to allow you the opportunity, and I can tell you my experience, and I don't see the chat, so what do I do? We have a new setup here, so excuse me for a moment. There we go. I just want to get the chat window open. If you're not on chat, then uh, you can get on chat on the main page, right under where you see me. Is that correct? So... Um, Hello everyone, now I can see who's here. Patrick is here, and Manjesh, and Yadevi, and Prem. Okay, and Brajadam, and others who will yet be revealed to us. So, there were a couple of devotees that I was thinking of, and when I was confronting situations and feeling somewhat inclined to act in a way which we could say was not the most Krishna conscious. I would think of these devotees and then I would ask myself, well, how would these devotees act in this situation? What, what would they do? What would they say? Or what wouldn't they say? And it was very, very purifying. Of course, one time I forgot how they would have acted and I said something that I regretted later, but I later apologized to the devotee. But I found it very purifying. Kind of, it kind of acted like some kind of governor on my behavior, but by thinking of how a particular devotee would act, which I knew his actions would be much different than my actions, kind of created this governor or this barrier that I wouldn't go beyond this wall because I knew that devotee would not go beyond the wall. So it's kind of like what the Christians say, what would Jesus do? They have the bracelet. What would Jesus do? WWJD? Is that it? So you think, okay, I'm in this situation. What would Jesus do? What would Prabhupada do? What would Takahari Das do? What would um, this God brother of mine do? Or anyone I respect. So, so I was doing that and I was finding it very, very helpful in developing. And I was, I was looking at, at developing the quality of tolerance and more humility. And I would think of these devotees. And I'll tell you a story. It's really interesting how this works. I was staying in a devotee's home, and the devotee had a picture of his guru uh, right on the wall where I would chant my rounds every morning. And of course, this guru is my godbrother. And there's a video of this guru that's, that's been implanted in my mind. It's a video of him chanting japa, and he chants japa. He relishes chanting japa. And it's just... So when I see the pic, when I see the picture of him, I would think of the video, and I had some really good. I stayed, I stayed there for a few weeks. I had some really good days of japa, 
just by seeing his picture and, and in his picture he wasn't chanting but that picture kind of brought me to well how would he chant japa so i should chant japa like he chants japa so it's kind of like that so when we when we think of a devotee well how how what would this devotee be doing in this situation or how does this devotee act in general then start to imbibe at least their qualities so now i'm going to turn it over to you out there did any of you this week meditate on someone who had some of the qualities or one of the qualities which you wanted to develop so please let me hear from you if you if any of you did that and what what your realizations were Don't all write at once. You mean nobody did the exercise? Well, you can you can do it right now while we're talking. You can you can meditate on somebody that has uh, some qualities, divine qualities. Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to read something because this is something we haven't discussed yet. And this is from Srila Prabhupada. The duty of a brahmana is to culture the quality of forgiveness, which is illuminating like the sun. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari, is pleased with those who are forgiving. So we didn't we haven't yet talked about the simple fact that when a devotee exhibits a divine quality, such as forgiveness, or any of the qualities which you, you can read about that the great devotees manifest, that that endears the devotee to Krishna. And and so how do we how do we know this? Or what is Prabhupada referring to? Well you can read in Bhagavad Gita, the twelfth chapter, where Krishna describes the kind of devotee that is dear to him. And he describes all the qualities, not all the qualities, but many qualities of the devotee. And those qualities endear the devotee to Krishna. Of course, we mentioned the story last week about Sanatana Goswami. Remember that story where, where he was so humble in, in his approach to Mahaprabhu that Mahaprabhu's heart was melting. So, so it pleases Krishna when we act as a devotee. And I want to tell you a story, which I may have told this story before, but it, in relation to something else, I want to tell it in relation to this. There was a devotee who was serving Srila Prabhupada. They were on an airplane, and in those days... They had smoking sections, and of course, Prabhupada and Mr. Devotee were not in the smoking section, but there were some people who were smoking. So the devotee asked the stewardess to ask the people to stop smoking, which the stewardess did, and later on in the flight, the people began smoking again in the non-smoking section. So the devotee was disturbed by it, and again he called the steward, and then Srila Prabhupada said, he stopped him. And he said, you should be tolerant. He said, don't act like ordinary person. You're a devotee. So that always stuck with me. Don't act like an ordinary person. Because so often, although we're practicing devotional service, we can act like ordinary people. Intolerant, short-tempered, not forgiving, revengeful. So always remember that because how we want to act is one thing, but how we act is another thing. And if we remember Prabhupada's instruction, he said, don't act like an ordinary person. Because to be a devotee is to not... Now, now, what did Prabhupada say? He said in the Bhagavad Gita, he said, to be a devotee is to declare war on Maya. 
So one way we declare war on Maya is to not act like an average person. I do a, I do a seminar on forgiveness and I ask a question. I create a hypothetical situation and I ask a question. And the hypothetical situation is this. I said, imagine if your wife, or if you're a female, your husband, ran off with your best friend, took your kids, and then took you to court to take everything away from you and lied in court about all the things that, which were the cause of her leaving with this other person. And then, not only that, if that's not bad enough, now you're left without a home. You're left without your kids. And that couple now becomes the president and vice president of the temple in which you live. And then, of course, they kick you out of the temple. So then I asked the devotees, well, how would you feel? So you could imagine what they said, right? What do you think, <laughs> how would you feel? What do you think they said? Or how, or how would you feel? Tell me. How would you feel? If that happened to you, how would you feel? What would be going on for you? Be a little angry, a little upset at least, right? Some people might feel like killing the person who ran off with their spouse. Definitely be very angry, right? You could imagine. I mean, how would you feel? So we went through this exercise and we filled up a whole flip chart or two or three <laughs> with how we would feel. And, and the point of doing this exercise was to show us that even though we are devotees because we are practicing devotees because we're still conditioned. Naturally, the modes of passion and ignorance can be easily aroused in situations such as this. So we, we naturally would feel revengeful, hate, hateful, obviously disturbed. We want to get back, retaliate. So we, now we go back to this the Prabhupada said, don't act like an ordinary person. So so we have become devotees. We've declared war on Maya. And part of that declaration of war on Maya is to no longer act like an ordinary person. That's not easy. Because we're in the material world and there are so many situations which which are disturbing us, which are, we, we can say, so many situations which rub against our false ego or rub our conditioning in situations in which we want to react in a way which is not devotional. So I always felt this was a, an important instruction by Srila Prabhupada. And then, and then, of course, we can always consider, well, how would a sadhu how, in any situation we're in, we can consider, well, if I'm not meant to act like an ordinary person, well, how would a sadhu act in that situation? And what Prabhupada told this devotee, he said, you should be tolerant. And, and the point he made is that you're a devotee, so you should be tolerant. Ordinary people may not be tolerant. It may not be possible for them to be tolerant. Or it may not be possible for them to be as tolerant as a devotee can be. But you're a devotee. 
So you should be tolerant. You shouldn't be just like any other person, intolerant. So that way we can think, how should a devotee act in a particular situation in which we find ourselves inclined to act not like a devotee, not like a sadhu? It's a, it's a wonderful meditation. And then you, as we are doing now, take that further and meditate on a sadhu and how he would act. So in the seminar, we actually did that. So we first asked the devotees, how would you act in the particular situation in which you were cheated, you were blackmailed, and then you lost everything because of it? People lied about you. The people you trusted the most lied about you and betrayed you. How would you feel? And then... And then we told the story, and then and then we said, okay, now, how do you think Ambarish Maharaj would have reacted in that situation? And then everybody said, well, he would have seen it as Krishna's mercy, he would have been tolerant, he wouldn't have been disturbed, he would have taken it as a sign to renounce this world. In so many ways, people could understand how someone of the caliber of, of Maharaj Ambarish would react in that same situation in a very positive way. So totally different than how we would normally act. This is divine will. This is what Krishna wants. I deserve worse. I'm such a rascal. I like that. So when we are in these difficult situations, we can think, oh, well, how would Maharaj Ambarish react? How would Takahari Das react? How would Srila Prabhupada react? Bhakti Siddhanta and others. So, okay. Yes. Okay. So, Bhakti Patrick says, uh, I quoted this saying by Jesus if someone strikes your cheek, offer them the other. And he's saying, I'm trying to apply them in school. It's hard. You know, I'm going to tell you something, Bhakti Patrick. This is this will help you. That anytime you run into a challenging situation, a person who's pressing your, pushing your buttons, or just some situation which seems intolerable, in that situation, really nice meditation is to think, Krishna has sent me this person to teach me tolerance. A nice meditation, isn't it? And just when we're about to burst, just when we're about to scream and yell and jump up and down and say, I can't take this anymore, I can't deal with these people, or this is too difficult, step back and think, Krishna is now so kind that he sent this person so I can learn tolerance. Because Unless someone pushes our buttons, or unless some situation is difficult, how will we learn to be tolerant? So we can take something which is negative, and then we can see it in a positive light as a teacher. This is my teacher. This person is my teacher. He's teaching me, by his behavior, how to be tolerant. I have, I have personal experience. I was temple president of one temple, and things were very, very difficult there for me, and I was becoming very frustrated and sometimes very angry. And then I realized 
that because it's difficult, it's now a challenge for me. And I need to develop some strength that I don't have, a vision that I have not yet manifest to be able to deal with, to deal with this. And I need to develop some qualities that will help me be more tolerant, more kind, more sympathetic, more compassionate to the people there. And so that's what I did. So then, um, in retrospect, looking at that, I could see that all those difficulties forced me to develop qualities which I not had not been forced to develop in other situations because prior to that I had not been in situations that were that difficult, that trying, at least on a consistent basis. So if we look at it that way, then we can see that the so-called bad is actually helping me. If if I actually take it that way, if I don't, then it's going to hurt me. It'll it'll bring me down. It'll force me into the lower modes of nature. So that's it's a nice meditation. Everything everything in this world is is meant to teach us. Now, I think I also mentioned this to you, but I'll mention it again. Um, I was reading this book on forgiveness by by a pastor, and he said that unless someone hurts you, you won't have the opportunity to forgive, and you won't learn how to forgive. So it's the same principle. Somebody hurts us, and then now we think, okay, now I have an opportunity to practice forgiveness. I, I something has to, someone has to push my button. Someone has to do something to me to upset me so that I can practice forgiveness. If nobody upsets me, then I won't be able to practice forgiveness. So of course, you could say that's proactive forgiveness. I'm always forgiving. That, that's true. But in general terms, to come to that position, normally we would have to be hurt by someone and then learn how it is that we can forgive them, how we can give up our or any animosity we have towards them. So it actually helps us. The difficulty helps us. The um, people that are hurting us are actually helping us become more forgiving, more tolerant. And I also mentioned last week an interesting synergistic way of looking at forgiveness. It said, and I'll find out where, that I was told this by another devotee, that when compassion and humility come together, then you have forgiveness. So we were mentioning how humility is fundamental to forgiveness because in order to forgive someone, you have to take a humble position. Otherwise, you'll want to retaliate. So we could say retaliate is from the head. You're knocking them in the head. And humility is you're coming from the feet. You're, com you're, you're coming in a humble way. So humility with compassion... I want to read you something. We mentioned this yesterday, but I want to read you something about compassion. Compassion for the person who has hurt you. This is really interesting. There is so much bad in the best of us and so much good in the worst of us that it doesn't behoove any of us to talk about the rest of us. In other words... You know, we're all we're all full of good and we're all full of bad. And we are probably just as bad as the person who hurt us that we want to retaliate against. And I want to read something else. 
this is this is really I think it really hits this point on the head so listen carefully so this is this is talking about how we react or how we should think about the person who's hurt us we do we do not usually have a gigantic monster to forgive in other words for this person is not really a monster he's not a big monster or as we might say asura a demon generally not we have a weak needy and somewhat stupid human being this is <laughs> this is the person we're forgiving in other words if you're sympathetic and compassionate you'll realize you'll have sympathy for the person who hurt you because you realize that the, the person themselves may be hurting and that's why they hurt or may not be in total control of themselves or their lives or their minds or their senses and that's why they did it I remember when I was younger I would regularly regular, regularly go out and distribute Srila Prabhupada's books and there were a lot of people who were disturbed when we approached them they would become very upset sometimes they would I was never hit, but sometimes devotees were even hit. Or they'd say something nasty to us, you know, just get out of my way, you know, get a job, whatever, like that, you know, but really nasty. And and I remember particularly when I was in the proper state of consciousness, I would feel sorry for that person. I would never feel offended. I would feel sorry for that person. That here's a person who become so easily upset simply by someone approaching them and offering them a book on spiritual life. And I would just feel sorry for them. Not always, but when I was in the, the right frame of mind, I would feel sorry for them. And in that way, there was no animosity in my heart or no, or no feeling of revenge. I remember <laughs> I gave a book to one man and he had gotten a book before. He didn't like the devotee, so he, he was playing with me. He said, oh, very nice, very nice. He opened the book, and he was very pleasant pleasant and kind. And just opened the book in a very pleasant way, took out a page, and ripped the page out of the book, and gave me back the book and walked on his way. And that was kind of how he was getting back at us for perhaps a, uh, a bad encounter with us in the past or just for whatever reason. And uh, I just felt sorry for that person, that he had to do that. And my friend, who was distributing books with me, he got so upset, he said, let's go after that person. I said, why do you want to go after him? He says, let's go after him, let's get back at him. I said, what for? So we can easily go either way. But, but fortunately, at that point of time, I was in the right frame of mind. So I was just feeling... Sorry that that person had to do that, that they were so uncontrolled and so upset by such a simple thing as a devotee approaching them with the Bhagavad Gita, that they had to do that. So let me continue reading this. We do not usually have a gigantic monster to, to forgive. We have a weak, needy, and somewhat stupid human being. When you see your enemy and yourself in the weakness and stillness of the humanity you share, you will make the miracle of forgiving a little easier. Isn't that nice? When you look at the person you have to forgive and think, this is a weak person. This person is struggling. We talked about this last week. This person's struggling in the material world. We don't have some big monster. 
what if, uh, what if see your enemy in the weakness and and silliness of the humanity you share? Just we act some, sometimes we act in, in silly ways, and so if we can have so then you see humility and compassion, sympathy, all comes together, and then you can forgive. That person was just. They had to do that. That's just who they were. They could not control themselves in that situation. Then we can forgive them. It's understandable. So, now, I've given you a little time. Did anybody, um, you know, Dr. Patrick, let's read what Dr. Patrick says. There is so much good in the worst of us, so much bad in the best of us. Yes, he's quoting what we just read. That it behooves all of us not to talk about the rest of us. Robert Louis Stevenson. Yes, it's it's kind of um, you can you can look at non-forgiveness as being judgmental. Or, and as I mentioned last week, I said you know if if I have done something or you have done something wrong, you certainly want the person who's been wrong to forgive you. Or, or I certainly want the person to forgive me. So so. Why should we not grant the same right or the same desire or allow the other person to desire the same thing? I would want it and I would want I would want to be forgiven and I would want that person to forgive me. So certainly the person who's hurt me wants to be forgiven. There was a devotee who was very much hurt and her husband told her, she said, you know, you should forgive that person because it's possible if you were in the same situation, you may have acted in the same way. And she thought about it and she said, you know, you're right. It, I may have acted in exactly the same way. We don't know. If we were in the same situation, perhaps we would have said the same thing or done the same thing. Or done, maybe not exactly the same, done something similar. Or... It, perhaps in a trying situation, we may have, we may, we could say in the future, we may act in a way that we offend somebody. And the fact is, we may have already offended people who now are not forgiving us. We don't. We, you may not even know that. You may have done something, said something, acted in a way that you hurt somebody. Who now is not even is not forgiving you? Who has a grudge against you? And that's it's 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 likely, and certainly it's not something. It's not the kind of relationship you want with anybody. So, hmm. all right. Now, if you can kindly keep the discussion to the topic. And then after we finish the class, then you can go back to your discussions. Would that be okay? Because now we're having this class, so I want to keep you guys and gals, prabhus, matajis, dasas and dasis, want to keep you focused because this is something which is important. One of the reasons this is important, and I, I've made this point before, is that if we have ill feelings towards another person, and even worse, towards a devotee, it takes energy from us. 
if you have positive feelings for someone, it gives you energy. Just like if you do something you don't like, it drains you. And if you do something you like, it gives you energy. We all have that experience. So in the same way, if we have all kinds of negative thoughts about another person, how do you think that's going to affect you? You already know how that's, that's affecting you. It's, it's bringing you down and it's draining your energy. So forgiveness allows us, you could say, to, drains us of the negative thoughts that are draining us and allows us to have positive thoughts. Excuse me. Allows us to have positive thoughts about that person. And those thoughts will be uplifting. They'll be energizing and uplifting. They'll help you in Krishna consciousness. But the negative thoughts will hurt you in Krishna consciousness. Will drain your energy. Now, if you become so upset about something, you may become so drained that you don't even want to engage in devotional service, or it will drain you of 80% of your energy to engage in devotional service. It's true. Once burnt, twice shy. You've done something, you've been offended, you've been hurt. I don't want to do that again. Of course, sometimes that's good because it may be something you shouldn't do. Or it'd be better you didn't do it. But oftentimes, uh, it's not. that's not the case. The case is that we should be doing something and because of the negativity there, we're not doing it. We're holding back. We're reluctant. So, one of the one of the principles of bhakti, which is so important, and you can experiment yourself with this, is that anytime you have any negativity towards another devotee, you're going to feel it undermine your bhakti, undermine your Krishna consciousness to some degree. It might be very slight, and you you have to be sensitive to it to pick up on it. And I think one of the best ways to be sensitive to it is not to do it, but rather to appreciate devotees and glorify devotees, and then you'll see the difference. Because that gives you energy, and it gives you a kind of satisfaction, kind of sense of peace and tranquility, because it's the right thing to do. And when you're upset with devotees or you're critical of devotees, then it it will upset you. It's, like immediate, it's just like a mirror. It's just immediate reaction. If you're upset with somebody... Nothing can come of that except more upset. That's all, you know, really. I mean, think about it. Think in your life of being upset with somebody and what's the result of that upset. Does it make you really feel happy and joyful and positive and blissful? I don't think so. But if you think, if you have a positive attitude towards someone, even if they've hurt you, even if they've offended you in some way, but somehow or other you're able to keep a positive attitude towards that person, internally, you will be much more Krishna conscious. You will feel much more satisfied. And you, will, and you will notice this immediately. This actually happened to me this past week. I I responded to an email in a way which was not compassionate and sympathetic, but was a little derogatory. And actually the whole day, I I responded. I didn't have time to respond, and I just said something very quickly because I was going out the door. And I got so upset, I was so upset and disturbed about it, that actually I had a headache the whole day. So I had been gone the whole day, and when I returned in the evening, I sent the devotee email, I said, just please forgive me and forget that email. And the devotee said, okay, it's forgotten, no problem. And then the headache went away. I was just, you know, and I, I just realized that this is, 
It's just immediate reaction. When any anytime there's negativity towards anyone, whatever that negativity involves, criticism, being derogatory, being sarcastic, whatever it is, there's some reaction there. And particularly when it's it's against devotees. So we should be careful. And forgiveness is 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 essential in keeping that positive attitude because without it we we will just we can latch on to negativity and how resentment works is that you continually talk about it and you tell everybody about it i was hurt by this person this person is bad this is what they did and any opportunity you have to tell others about it you will so and, and that could stay with you you think you you think I'm over exaggerating. That could stay with you your entire life. You can be hurt to 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 such a degree that your entire life you'll be talking about it. It will be there. So you don't want that. It's not going to help you in Krishna consciousness. You want to be a sadhu. You want to develop saintly qualities. And what did Prabhupada say here? He said Krishna is pleased when we do that. Nice. So we can think. Okay, Krishna, I don't. This person has really hurt me. And I don't want to forgive them, but I know you want me to forgive them. You remember what I said a few weeks ago? There is this, what are called the paradoxical commandments. They were written by a young Harvard student when he was working with youth. And the last thing he said, he was, he was, you know, he said, you know, if people don't like you, people hate you, like them anyway. It's just—it's called the paradoxical commandments. If people are angry with you, be nice to them. Be nice to them. I, I can bring them up next time. But the idea was it was a paradox. Every if a person's treating you negatively in one way, come back the exact opposite way positively. And then he said, in the end, anyway, it's not between you and them; it's between you and God. So the activities of a devotee, of a sadhu, these are qualities which please Krishna. So it's really ultimately between you and Krishna. The Krishna wants you to act in a particular way. You're his devotee. How should his devotee act? Kind, forgiving, sympathetic, compassionate, forgiving, peaceful. So, so we meditate on that. Okay. So David's saying, didn't we? Didn't Prabhupada say we should direct our anger to people who are not Krishna conscious? Yeah, we did discuss that, but that is also reserved for those who, <laughs> you know, directing your anger is reserved for those who can control their anger because, you know, generally, when you don't control anger, it just goes, it goes like a haywire. But anger can be controlled, just like. If you turn on a light, you're controlling the light, and you can turn the light off. So if you're advanced enough to use your anger in a way that that can communicate to a person that they've made a serious mistake or have done something seriously wrong, and that anger is controlled to the degree that you're not vengeful, and then you can easily turn the anger off, yes, that can be used. But it, it's not meant as a license to become angry Generally, we see that Prabhupada did not become angry with people. But if the people themselves were offensive, then he might raise his voice to establish a point. 
if they were extremely belligerent or argumentative. But his, his mood was to help them. Ultimately, his anger was out of sympathy. So, but so, yeah. So, yes. Um, so, tolerant like a tree. What is the meaning to be tolerant like a tree? To, to tolerate all these people. You know, I'll tell you a nice story. There was a, in Bombay, when Srila Prabhupada was establishing the temple there, there are a group of people who were trying to undo everything they were doing. It's a long story. But a lot of propaganda was being made against the devotees. And there were a lot of people who didn't want the devotees there. And one of the things these people were saying is that the chant they were having, you know, Mangalarti, and there were people living in the area. Actually, there were apartments on the property. And when we were bought the property, we bought all the apartments. But Indian law is such that the people have the right to stay in the apartments. I mean, they pay rent, but you can't ask them to leave. So the some of the people were saying this, this kirtan is a nuisance. These are Indians, Hindus, and they're saying kirtan's a nuisance. So Prabhupada was lecturing, and he was talking about that, and he said, here we are, we are trying to spread Krishna consciousness, we're, we're, we're giving all our energy, we're giving our life's blood to doing this, and these people are Hindus, they should be appreciative, and they're saying, this chanting is a nuisance. And Prabhupada said, what can we do? Simply tolerate this nonsense. And he said, that's all we can do, we just have to be tolerant, because we're sadhus, that's how a sadhu deals with it. Just people may treat us in very unkind ways. They may speak unkind words. What can we do? So just tolerate. So the idea of anger, anger exhibited by a devotee is ultimately to benefit the other person. And it's not anger which is generated from the mode of passion. Just like we see Narada Muni cursed. You know the story, Naluku Veramani Griva they disrespected Narada Muni and he cursed them that you will become trees but he blessed them that those trees would be touched by Krishna and then they would become liberated purified so he cursed them but it wasn't out of anger I curse you you'll become trees somebody could do that who had the power out of anger out of hatred so a devotee doesn't hate anybody and so you know it, it, we are challenged because there are a lot of people we could really hate People, there are a lot of bad people in this world who do horrible things. And the devotee is not supposed to hate anybody. He's only supposed to hate those who blaspheme the Lord and the Lord's devotees. Now, so, so how do we deal? You know, I just read a sign of 36,000 abor- 3,600 abortions every day or every minute or every second. It's, just, it's an outrageous number. You know, so we think these people are horrible. How many millions of animals killed every day? All these people are horrible who are doing it. Still, a devotee does not become angry. And Prabhupada said that. Devotees do not become angry because compassion is the antithesis of anger. But he only becomes angry at those who will blaspheme, who will blaspheme the Lord. Most people are ignorant. And Prabhupada said, he said, 95% of the people are ignorant. And 5% are misleading. 
than 95%. So I think it's really helpful when we see people who are doing things which we find disturbing to us, that we may think these people are misguided. Unfortunate, unfortunately, they're misguided, and that's why they're doing these things. And so we have the duty to be tolerant and compassionate, and that's what Prabhupada did. And that's how he spread Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, Prem says, we should not feel anger to any one devotee or not. Yes. Rupa Goswami said we must control the tongue. Gurudev said the tongue can get us into trouble. The battle of Mahabharata began, un- began because uh, they were unable to control the tongue. So did the Leela of Brahmayana. So, okay, I would like to read some other things by Srila Prabhupada, if that's okay with you. A devotee is always very understanding. If there is some discrepancy, behavior on the part of non-devotee, non-devotees, and even some devotees misbehave, he is always very tolerant and understanding. So here Prabhupada is he's telling us how a devotee behaves. And so, therefore, we can say we should behave in a similar way. He's always, what's the key word here? Understanding. Seek first to understand rather than be understood. He's always very understanding. Here, Brahmanas are beautiful when they are forgiving. Everyone becomes beautiful by his special qualities. And the special quality of the Brahmins, as described here, is forgiveness. Those who are tapasvis, tapasvi means those who perform austerities, a spiritualist. Those who are tapasvis, their first duty is how much he is forgiving, how much he has learned to forgive. First duty. That's amazing. First duty. Tapasvi, those who are advancing in Krishna consciousness, undergoing tapasya, austerities, their first qualification is to forgive the offender. This is the qualification. First qualification. Amazing. And one of the the things that you'll see is if you adopt this attitude and behavior, you'll see how much it will help you in Krishna consciousness. Help you so much. Because what did Mahaprabhu say? To chant the holy name, we have to be more tolerant than a tree. So, what does that mean? To be more tolerant than a tree. It's that we cannot, we cannot chant the name 24 hours a day without tolerance. Because the world, it will attract us and it will repel us. And so all the things that we don't like, that we need to tolerate, all the people we need to forgive, those are the people and the things that repel us. So then we'll be drawn to that side of repulsion, which is another side of attraction. So what does Krishna say in the Gita? He said, we should not be attracted or repulsed because they are what? Stumbling blocks on the path 
of devotion. It's a stumbling block. Just, just as bad is, as is attraction to sense gratification, also is aversion or hatred or resentment. It's the opposite. It's just, here's the path to Krishna. It's straight. Attraction, repulsion, they're both diversions. We don't always realize that. We may, we may be more conscious of the attraction side. We may, we may be less conscious of the other side, the side in which we have negative thoughts and feelings and attitudes towards people. We may be less aware that that's just the same. It's the same deviation. Overly attracted, overly attached, and then at the same time deviated by resentment, anger, repulsion. It's nice to meditate on that, isn't it? Nice to meditate on how I can be deviated by negativity. Now, of course, of course, then we, we, um, you know, it's easier said than done. That's the whole problem. Okay, we, we get everything straight and um, we say, okay, I should be kind, I should be humble, I should be tolerant, and yeah, that's not so easy. So, uh, okay. Yeah, Trinada Visuni Chena. Yes, Mitra says, let me not desire anything but the highest good for my worst enemies. This is, <laughs> this is, this is sadhu. This, this is the kind of person that Srila Prabhupada wanted to fill the world with. He wanted his disciples to be this way. This is the, these are the kind of people that can make a change in the world. There are so many bad people in the world. How are we going to counterbalance that by becoming pure, pure devotees? You can love your enemies, love the, those that hate you. This is what it means to be Krishna conscious. So, that, of course, is not easy to, de to desire the highest good for your greatest enemy. But that is a devotee. That is a devotee. Um, okay. Now, how else does forgiveness help us? Well, it helps us in working with one another. I'm going to read something the Prophet said. I'm glad to learn that your your cooperation for the society is appreciated by the authorities. We should learn to forget and forgive minor incidents because whenever there are two men in a place, there is always some misunderstanding. Interesting that Prabhupada would say that. Prabhupada is acknowledging the problem. There's no utopia. It only takes two people to create a misunderstanding. Interesting what Prabhupada is saying. Whenever there are two men in a place, there is always some misunderstanding. If you're married, you know that. doesn't take much, right? I thought you were going to do this. No, I thought you were going to do that. Well, you said this. No, I never said that. It's so easy for there to be misunderstanding. Relationships cannot exist 
Good relationships cannot exist where there is not forgiveness, where there is no forgiveness. So as a, what we could call, survival tool for good relationships, not only as a means of reaching the outer world, but in our own world of relationships, forgiveness is essential. Somebody hurts us. Okay, that's going to happen. They didn't mean to do it. They may not even know that they hurt you. But it happened. What to do? Forgiveness is the key. Without it, what will happen? What, what, what really is the opposite of forgiveness? If you think about it. You may say, well, I don't really hate the person. But really, what is resentment? Resentment is a form of hatred. Maybe it's not a strong form of hatred, but it is. It's definitely it's definitely not love. It's definitely not kindness, is it? Okay. Let me read something else that Srila Prabhupada wrote. Even if a devotee commits the most abominable actions, he is to be considered saintly because he is properly situated. Krishna said that. Now, as you will say, to err is human. So in the neophyte stage, we may always expect some discrepancies are there. Kindly see the things in this light and forgive their small mistakes. The big thing is they have given their life, everything to Krishna. That is never a mistake. So, there was a man who was complaining about the way a devotee treated him in public. or I think this was in, in relation to book distribution. And the man did not feel that the devotee was acting as a saintly person. Then now Prabhupada is asking this man to be forgiving. So he's saying, he's, he's telling the man, he's reasoning with the man, okay, my disciple did not act in the best way, but to err is human. So, so in the neophyte stage, when the devotees are young, we may always expect some discrepancies. Kindly see things in this light and forgive their small mistakes. So it's kind of the same thing we've been talking about. Okay, here is a person. They're doing their best. Their best may not be good enough. So kindly forgive them. Be tolerant. The big thing is they have given their life to Krishna. So here, you know, particularly when we're dealing with devotees, devotees of given their life to Krishna. They may not be perfect, but we should not be misled by their own faults. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, don't be misled by the faults of others. What did he mean by that? He meant you can be misled by the faults of others because you'll be distracted by their faults. You'll be thinking about them and their faults. And you know, it said, you know what a boomerang is, right? You, you, you throw a boomerang and then the boomerang comes back. It spins around and comes back and you catch it. It said fault finding is like a boomerang. Whatever fault you're finding in others, it's going to come back and haunt you as well. So, you may say, yes, devotee has a discrepancy. Prabhupada acknowledged that. In the neophyte stage, that's to be accepted. It's it's normal. But Sri Labhakti Siddhanta is saying, if you dwell on that, then that discrepancy in the other devotee is bringing you down. 
And then he said, nobody can harm you unless you allow them. So another person's bad qualities can actually harm you. Interesting, isn't it? They're going about their business, their life, and they're acting in a way that disturbs you. And and, and that can harm you if you if you allow it to, if you meditate on it, if it becomes a problem for you. You remember a few weeks ago I mentioned a instruction or advice given by Pantanjali. Wonderful advice. He said, if you're envious of someone, the way to counteract that envy is to become their well-wisher. And I've seen this in my own life. As soon as there's any form, any, any negative thought towards someone, any form of jealousy or envy or anything I don't like about another person, if I just think, let me be their well-wisher internally, let me wish them the best, then that envy, that jealousy goes away. So it's really, it's really what a devotee is all about. Devotee is always the well-wisher of others. That that's what we are meant to be. Always meant to be everyone's well-wisher, kind to everyone, sympathetic, compassionate, understanding. And if we don't develop these qualities, how can we be forgiving? Because they all support that ability to be forgiving. So, oh yes, so Mitra is giving us the quote. This is from Bhakti Siddhanta. I'm going to read it. For those of you who are not on the chat, I will read it. Thank you, Mitra, for this quote. So nice. When faults and others misguide and delude you, have patience, introspect, find faults in yourself, know that others cannot harm you unless you harm yourself. In other words, others can, others' faults cannot harm you unless you harm yourself, unless you allow their faults to harm you. So, this is such a nice instruction. I, I, I missed this one point. You say, don't spend your energy in faulting others. Spend your energy in finding your own faults because in your your own faults because then you can rectify yourself. You can improve yourself. And finding faults with others, as we've been discussing, does not improve yourself. It actually harms yourself. Whereas if you find your own fault, then you can work on that. Then you, you If you find your own fault, you found a gem because it's a impurity. It's a weed in the heart. And now you can begin to uproot that. So introspect, find faults. If you have the tendency to find fault, then you can introspect, you can find fault in yourself. Then it's useful. That's what we're meant to do. And often it's said, when you're finding fault in another, what you're, excuse me, what you're actually doing is seeing your own fault in that person. Have you ever realized that? Bhaktisiddhanta also made that statement. He said, because I'm so honeycombed with faults, I see faults in others. In other words, he's saying, I'm seeing my own fault in another person. There's a saying uh, that says, what you say about others says more about you than it does about them. So oftentimes we're seeing our own, our own self in another person. And we may be disturbed by that very fault which we have and therefore it disturbs us when we see it in others. Perhaps I'm proud and I see another proud person. That will bother me. Perhaps I'm envious. I see another envious person. That will bother me. So, 
you know this, uh, it said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So now you may be looking at someone in a negative way. So instead of looking at them in a negative way, you decide, let me, let me look at them in a positive way. Let me see something good about them. Or let me see why they may be acting in a negative way due to, let me try to understand what situation, what are the situations they're going through, what difficulties are they going through. And by changing the way you look at the person, the person changes. All of a sudden, you see a different person. So an advanced stage of bhakti is that you see everyone in a positive light, you see the good in everyone. And Srila Prabhupada Prabhupada was expert at seeing the good in others and taking that and employing that in Krishna's service. And then he knew the, the bad, the impurities, would be removed through bhakti. So he could remain positive, have a positive attitude towards everyone. He could appreciate even very young devotees. He saw their sincerity. He saw that spark, that desire. And that's what he focused on. Didn't focus on the negative. You could understand that. Why would Prabhupada focus on the negative? Now he may see the negative and may have to correct that as a person's guru. But it wasn't that he focused on it. It It wasn't vengeful. It wasn't like a fly going to the stool. Okay. So now it's 9.30. We started at 8.30. I've kept you up late. And does anyone have any questions um, before we go? I want to make a statement before we go. And while you're thinking, I just want to ask you, this week, if you forgot to do it last week, meditate on a devotee who has a quality or qualities that you would like to develop. And then let's discuss that next week. Okay? So, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for coming. I will see you next week, same time. Not the same time. I will see you next week at 8 o'clock. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Ball. This is going to be the new arrangement.